as a political act, I decided to never have another bad day and that I would live six qualities, happy, funny, loving, cooperative, creative, and thoughtful. And I think I've done it uninterrupted for 54 years. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Today's guest is Dr. Patch Adams. Patch is both a medical doctor and a clown, but he is also a social activist who has devoted 30 years to improving America's healthcare system. He believes that laughter, joy, and creativity are an essential part of the healing process, and therefore, true healthcare must incorporate these aspects of life. Throughout the success of the program he created in West Virginia, a model healthcare facility is being planned on 310 acres purchased in Pocahontas County, West Virginia. The institute will include a 40-bed hospital, a theater, arts and craft shops, horticulture, and vocational therapy. Over five years ago, Dr. Adams and the staff temporarily stopped seeing patients so they could coordinate plans for raising the $5 million needed for the Institute's permanent and expanded home. Currently planned as an immediate phase of this dream, a $400,000 facility on the land in West Virginia so that their medical practice can resume within the next two years. Additionally, Dr. Adams adds to his training as a physician his experience as a street clown in working with healthcare and mental health professionals. He explores the relationship between humor and therapy using his unique blend of knowledge, showmanship, and hands-on teaching techniques. Dr. Adams says, I interpret my experience in life as being happy. I want, as a doctor, to say it does matter to your health to be happy. It may be the most important health factor in your life. Patch Adams is known nationally as a speaker on wellness, laughter, and humor, as well as on healthcare and healthcare systems. He approaches the issue of personal, community, and global health with zestful exuberance, according to Time magazine. Dr. Adams believes that the most revolutionary act one can commit in our world is to be happy. This was exemplified on the big screen as he was portrayed by the late Robin Williams in the well-known Patch Adams movie. Patch, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, I love to uh, spread good news. Well, we love people that spread good news. And what I'd like to do, as I often do with my guests, is I'd like to step back and you have a really interesting story about how your career evolved and the differences that impacted you along the way, the things that shaped your path. 
Could you start and, and talk to us about some of these early significant life moments that pushed you to where you are today? Could you talk to us a little bit about that? I grew up overseas on military bases. My father was a professional soldier. He died as a soldier when I was 16 in 1961. We moved back to my mother's country, which was Virginia, in 61. At that time, our black population had no human rights, really. My life changed forever, really, in a public park at a public drinking fountain that said whites only. And I realized my country was fake and religion was fake. People could walk by that sign and not tear it down. And I did not have activist friends. And so I felt pretty alone in that experience. My last two years in high school, I was beaten up a lot because I couldn't be silent. Three times in one year, 17, 18, I was hospitalized in a mental hospital wanting to kill myself. Between the second and third hospitalization, I was present at Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, and I realized, stupid, you don't kill yourself, you make revolution. And that's when I found out that my mother gave me that rare, precious thing called self-esteem that I did not have to develop into a person to make revolution. I was that person. I just had to decide what I was going to do. And I decided, one, I would be a free doctor. And the other one, as a political act, I decided to never have another bad day and that I would live six qualities, happy, funny, loving, cooperative, creative, and thoughtful. And I think I've done it uninterrupted for 54 years. That's amazing. And I, and I know that one of the things that you've done in your life, you refer to as your love revolution, which came out of the standing up against racism in those hospitalizations and finding that self-esteem. Could you talk to us about the love revolution that you created? Well, maybe it's taking love out of Valentine's Day and saying that when you care, it is an act of love and that to be a healthy human, one ideally cares for all. It's not a revolution of violence. It's a revolution of intent and massive fulfillment. And was that before or after you made the decision to pursue a course of medicine? Oh, I probably always thought I was going to be a doctor. I, I won some science fairs in junior high school had a math and science aptitude. I had this romantic notion because I read Tom Dooley and Albert Schweitzer that medicine was a loving profession. So medicine, a loving profession. And when you got into medical school, what was the reaction like from your peers and your instructors, given that that was your MO? Well, I entered medical school 50 years ago in 1967 in the South. And within a month, I saw... The hospitals were horrible places with hierarchy. 95% of my professors were rude and arrogant. That uh, there were eight women in a class of 120. It was embarrassing. I, I, it was hard to find out anything that I thought medicine meant and what I was trained. So I have later found out that I haven't found a single medical school in the world that teaches compassion. Medicine felt like a business, and I knew that if I was going to 
be a doctor that I could never do it in an American hospital. I had to make my own hospital. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. Which is exactly what you ended up doing. Right. So, And that would be the Gesundheit Institute, correct? Right. So talk to us about how the Gesundheit Institute is different than a traditional hospital. Well, in my four years in medical school, I wasn't a person that had to study a lot. And so I looked at healthcare delivery and its history and did my own thinking. It was a climate 67 to 71 of revolution nonviolent revolution in the country. And so in March of my senior year in medical school, I wrote up a paper describing a hospital that would address all the problems of the way healthcare was delivered in one model. So it would be free for all people. It would not carry malpractice insurance. It would not accept third-party reimbursement, that each practitioner could spend as much time with the patient as they wanted to. I didn't yet know, because it was ignored in medical school, that we would add the integration of all the healing arts together and that all the staff would live together. Again, that was the climate of 67 to 71, communal life, and it certainly made sense to me. So that's the primary backbone of it. And what was the reception like in the general medical community? to your understanding, once you started doing that at the Gesundheit Institute, free medicine, no third-party insurance, physicians taking all the time they wanted, what was the reaction? Well, it didn't say anything. We, we did what we did, and people that were interested in it came and either saw it or got involved, and, and other people didn't tell me what they thought. But I guess by not being funded, that's one way to tell somebody. So I'm O for eighteen hundred in foundation grants. And how does how do you get money for the Gesundheit Institute? I'm still waiting to find out how. It's interesting to me that the word rich, which can mean rich in friends and experience and literature and nature, invariably in the English language means money. I want to shift away from money and talk more right now, if we could, about your unorthodox approach to medicine, and in particular, how you use humor to treat patients. Could you talk to us a bit about that? I provide a context for treatment, those six qualities, happy, funny, loving, cooperative, creative, and thoughtful. No one gave us a hospital, and we didn't want to wait to have one. That would have been fruitless. And so... 20 adults, three of us physicians, moved into a six-bedroom house and said we were a hospital. We were open 24-7. In those period, we were book-learned, educated 
people. So we became farmers and we had theater going on. The arts were there. We had dances two or three times a week. We were a playground. Wonderful. And in that sense, a very different approach to medicine than what we would see in a traditional setting. And I know that the movie came out in the 90s. So talk to us about your involvement with the movie and Robin Williams and what that experience was like for you. Because of fame, people think that's a big thing in my life. You know, I've clowned in 82 countries, five wars, countless refugee camps. And one great experience relieving suffering is bigger than the movie was for me. You know, I write and answer all my mail. I write three to 600 letters a month to 130 countries. I'm caught up. And so I wrote my first book. It was very well reviewed on NPR in the morning. The next day, my mug was on the cover of USA Today. The next day, five producers called wanting me to go to Hollywood to make a movie. And I went out there, and it was such a shark moment that I called up my friend Mike Farrell, who was a former star of MASH, and he walked it through. They promised when I signed the contract to build our hospital. Mm. And, and you did mention your book. Talk to us about your book. Zentite is the title, and it talks about our ideas in history. And the other one is called House Calls, and it's, it's a hint on how to be a wonderful human being. So for those that haven't read it, uh, and let's talk about House Call, what are the tenets in your book that, that you feel one would have to go through to be, a, uh, as you said, a wonderful human being? You know, I talk about wonder and curiosity and friendship, all the things that, that are great and wonderful about life. I talked about it in the context of going to make house calls, but it's really how to be a human being out in everyday life. I mean, there's thoughts on being well. There's something on faith, love, humor, curiosity, creativity, nature, relaxation, community, passion, exercise, hope, imagination, peace, family, service, friendship, nutrition, wonder, sense of self. And then there's a list of things that visitors can do. And one of my favorite cartoonists, Jerry Van Amerongen, was nice enough to do silly illustrations for the book. Outstanding. And, and we will have a link to your books as well as the Gesundheit Institute in our show notes so that uh, listeners can make donations to that. I, I'd love to know what you're focused on today. What, what is it that Patch Adams is doing now? I'm fundraising. When I started in 1971, I was sure we'd be built by 75. We broke ground on our first big building 41 years later. I don't know if you know this, but in the U.S., a person's medical bill is the number one reason they lose their home. So, I'm, you know, my life is... is uh, following up on all the fundraising leads. It's answering letters. It's keeping a great relationship with my partner, Susan. In failing to build our hospital, we're active in many countries, and so we're juggling those events. We organize eight clown trips this year. So I just move forward. 
and, and you've talked about the clowning uh, several times th- throughout our interview. Talk to us about what, what inspired you, what, what made you want to start that, and how you incorporate that into your, your works. Well, I started clowning in elementary school because I was a weird nerd, dweeb, dork, sissy boy on military bases where most children of professional soldiers wanted to grow up and be a soldier, and I was the kind of kid they bullied. But I found out if I was funny, they didn't hit their fool. So I started the clown to save my butt. And then I was also a very good student, so I found out I could misbehave in class and they wouldn't really punish me. And so I've been a goofball all my life. One of the things that I'd like to ask you, Patch, because I I ask this of all of my guests, is if you could give your biggest helping, and that is if there was only one piece of information you would like for people to walk away with after listening to this episode, what would that one thing be? Make love our values. Stop your troubles, become proactive for love, and help change the world. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I know you mentioned you have a number of projects that that you're working on. Where can people find out about these projects and contribute to them? Well, it might interest you. I've never used a computer or used a smartphone, and but I will say that I believe this information is on our website. We have PayPal. People can send checks if they want to. My address is on the website. We have a project to you know six thousand military vets kill themselves a year, and we have we have taken very suicidal vets twice on clown trips and it stopped their suffering. So we have funding for two more trips. We uh, have big projects in the Amazon and Nepal to stop child sexual slavery. And uh, you can write me and ask any questions. And I love that you do take the time to respond to letters, respond to these people from all over the world that write you. I think that's terrific. Well, it's amazing if they're under 25, usually say they say it's the first letter they've ever written. That is amazing. And what we will also do is we will get all of the information for these various organizations you're working on, and those will be linked into the show notes for this particular episode and on the Daily Helping app as well. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's an honor to have the chance to speak to you. And for everybody that listened today, thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you heard, go subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. That's what helps others find this podcast. But most importantly, go out today and do something nice for someone else, even if you don't know them, and post it in your feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others.